Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 35 of Old Guard vs. New Blood. And this is SEO in 2023, the book preview edition. Majestic are coming out with, uh, or have come out with uh, a book. If you're lucky enough to be watching this on, on YouTube or in video, uh, then you'll be able to see see the book. Um, now available in all good Amazon stores uh, near you, SEO in 2023. It's got 500 pages of tips from uh, 101 um, of the world's leading SEO experts, three of which I'm delighted to say I've got in the studio with me today. So, uh, Ian, Julia, and Kirsten, hello to all of you. How are you? Hello. Hello. Hi, Ian. Oh, so so so. Let me start by uh, by asking you guys to introduce yourselves. Ian, why don't you why don't you head off? Um, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Where are you come from? And where are you? Since we've got a very international uh, contingent as usual in the group. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I'm Ian Holmes. My pronouns are he, they. I am uh, based in Chicago, and I'm the director of growth marketing at Q Digital. Um, we're the country's largest LGBTQ media site. Excellent. I just saw uh, I just, just just saw a, f- a football match with uh, another. Uh, it's no, the second uh, the second uh, pitch invader with uh, with uh, uh, with a rainbow flag on there. So uh, so <laughs> the message yes. is getting in at the World Cup. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming on, Ian. Uh, and Julia, Julia Carolyn Zeng, or Julia as we refreshingly can call her without having to have the double-barreled first name. Julia, how are you? Where are you? And where, where do you come from? What do you do? Yeah. Hi, I'm Julia. I'm freelance SEO consultant. I'm currently in Madeira. It's quite sunny here. Um, I'm usually based in London, originally from Germany, and I specialize in international SEO and SEO for SaaS products. So bringing the languages in and quite content heavy websites, I would say. Brilliant. Thanks so much for coming in uh, from Madeira. So hopefully the, the, well, it seems like the internet's fine there. We're not quite so sure about Kirsten's internet connection for the duration. Kirsten, where are you? What are you doing? Where do you come from? (laughs) Hello, everyone. Um, Similar to Julia, I'm also originally from Germany. I'm usually um, UK, London based, but currently I'm in Brazil. Uh, And yes, my internet connection is uh, a bit dodgy from time to time, so hopefully it lasts. Um, I'm currently the SEO and content lead at Seat Legals. Um, Seat Legals is a legal tech platform that helps startups simplify their legal things they need to uh, take care of when they do um, option schemes, funding rounds and other things that startups do. And um, yeah, I've been doing SEO for... Numerous years uh, in-house agency side and also currently focusing heavily on content as well. So Kirsten, just just um, how do I spell seat? Seat legal. S double E D seat. Like okay. seed funding, okay. like a seed uh, yes. Okay, great. Yes, okay. Thanks yeah. ever so much for coming on the show. And uh, just before we dive into all of your tips and, and other tips you might have seen in the book, um uh, we we are lucky our producer is uh, is of course the, uh, the the producer of the book as well. So David Bain. Uh, thanks very much for all the effort in putting all this thing together. Um, and uh, is, is there anything I should have said at the start of the show? Oh, I'll tell you what I should have said at the start of the show. This is going to be my last show. So uh, I'm uh, I'm, I'm uh, stepping back. We're going to change things around in 2023 ourselves at, at Majestic. And we're going to have a different uh, different lead for podcasts and things. And uh, David's going to be running things a bit more centrally on the show. Because I think we've got, you know, we've decided that... 
uh, old guard. The old guard has got a little old in the tooth, really. So I'm I'm, I'm going to uh, pull back and <laughs> do some other bits. But you'll still see me around. So David, how are you? Well, very good, thank you. Yeah, as, as you said, still see you around. So um, we're looking forward to, to can you, uh, continuing seeing you in, in, in different um, circumstances, different um, roles, I guess. But um, one thing you mentioned um, to begin with was um, the, the book is available in all bookstores or are available on Amazon at the moment. It actually gets published on the 6th of December. So it'll be available right. to the public then. Um, if anyone watching wants to go to seoin2023.com, you can sign up for the email list there and get alerted to when the book actually goes live. We're going to do a mammoth launch live stream as well. Um, that'll be on the 6th itself as well. So sign up to that email list and we'll let you know when that happens. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, you just have that on for the whole day. You've got <laughs> hours and hours of, uh, hours, of, of yeah. tips and ideas and, and, and people coming on. So, but this is the, uh, the, the preview of the, of the live launch. So, uh, we're all, um, we're all ahead of the game here and uh, and and got an opportunity to, uh, to to dive into things uh what was your what was your tip in the book julia my tip is for 2023 to focus more on intent and by that i don't mean just looking at tools and see does it say commercial or informational intent or what what all the other things are that it says but by looking at the serps results so to check directly what does google show what um, type of content is produced for a certain search query and really understanding what is the question that a user has that stands behind a keyword and then answering that question with the content. Excellent. We'll come back to user intent then. We'll come back to all of these ideas, but I just wanted to get everyone's you know, uh, initial um, uh, things that they put into, into, into the book. Um, Ian, what about, what about you? What did you throw in there? Yeah, my tip for 2023 is to focus on quality over quantity. Um, especially with Google's helpful content update recently. Uh, we all know that you can't just churn out a bunch of poor content and expect to get uh, high rankings or at least sustained rankings over time. So uh, that's my tip for 2022. Okay, kind of a little related, but slightly sideways on. And then Kirsten, you were also slightly sideways onto that as well. Slightly related, slightly different angle. Um, but yeah, my tip for 2023 is to stop relying on tools, um, roll up your sleeves and do the work. Um, I think there are some things that tools are really, really good for. And then there are other things where they could even be misleading and um, send you down a rabbit hole of low priority things you should probably not be focusing on. So let's let's start on that one because you know obviously obviously Majestic's a tool uh, and uh, but but it doesn't it's not a tool for you know, actually rolling up your sleeves and doing things. It's a, it's a reporting tool. It, it crawls. So, you know, we're not, we're not scared of that comment. Uh, and, uh, but, but uh, where are tools, where are tools taking us down rabbit holes? Let's, let's start with there. I mean, what sorts of things go wrong? Yeah. Let with me tools? try to provide a little bit of context and break it down. So to start on the positive note, I think tools are really good um, for doing things at scale to do your initial audits, to set up monitoring alerts, automate things. Um, yeah, really, really useful stuff you can do with tools. But then on the other hand, um, you might miss opportunities um, when it comes to keyword research. You know, you might see, oh, um, there's no volume behind this keyword or this topic cluster and you decide to ignore it. And um, 
actually it would be really relevant for you, for your website, for your audience, and it would drive conversions, but you've dismissed it because a tool said otherwise. Um, success, just looking at rankings, are they improving? Are they not improving? If you only focus on that, you might miss important business goals. So again, there's a lot of manual work to be done. And then also priorities. And I think this is where you could get stuck in rabbit hole and where you could maybe focus on the wrong things. So there might be technical errors that are flagged as the highest priority. But actually, when you dig deeper, um, when you look at other parts of your website, when you do a competitor benchmark, you might find that's not going to move the needle for you. Or if you see content being flagged as, oh, this topic is not optimized and you need to optimize these five articles um, and you spend time on that, you put your writers on it um, and you optimize all of these articles, but they're actually not the content that drives business and that drives conversions. And you've just neglected all of the other topics that, yes, maybe um, they were not flagged in the tool, but they would have made um, a difference in terms of your business goals. That's interesting because, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, jump in there, Julia. Like yeah, go on. Add on and go a bit away from the, the content and keyword research focus thing. Google Search Console, the no indexation report. I hear it quite often from clients. They're like, oh, we have so many pages here flagged as not being indexed. And then I look into this and I see, yeah, it's flagged as it's a, uh, disallowed in robots the text where I'm like well we did disallow that or we disallowed that whole folder because we wanted to be not indexed so it's not actually an issue but when you look at these graphs and see the stats tells you a huge number of pages is suddenly gone from the index and um, clients can quite often get a bit freaked out about these things they, they yeah. can't I, <laughs> I was gonna add another thought to that too from personal experience, we, um, in a previous role, automated a lot of our processes that we were um, doing, and it helped lead to efficiency, of course. But at the same time, the issue, I guess, for lack of better words, that it created was that not everybody fully understood then how the automation worked, what the formulas or the algorithms and things that were going into producing the output were. And so then they couldn't troubleshoot. They didn't necessarily have the um, the background into understanding what the like what fed the data and why the decision was ultimately um, made to do or not do a particular thing um, based on that automation that we were creating. And the same kind of plays into tools like um, yeah, Search Console, SEMrush, any of the other like keyword research tools that people might be using. Where if you don't understand exactly how the data is coming in or what the um, you know what's feeding that you might come out with um unbi or biased opinions or or incorrect priorities so. well i wanted to come on to keyword research tools because i think they're a pretty good example of um uh, of where you know numbers can be misleading um and because because I, I noticed that mark williams cook who also runs a tool to be fair in the book said um you know focus on non-zero on zero volume keyword well, look at zero don't 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 throw out zero volume keywords so keyword research tool can say that there's no keyword volume for a particular phrase or idea but in actual fact that could be the very the very one that that is driving your whole business um forward um particularly if it happens to involve your brand name of course but uh uh that the, the 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 keyword research tools or a lot of the keyword research tools seem to just 
spewing out numbers of volumes and things like that and 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 that's going to send you in in the wrong kind of um direction and kirsten you talked about sort of zero volume keywords um as an example of where that 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 goes but you know do you do you think that more and more we're <clears throat> going to be making mistakes if we're building content plans just around keyword volume you want to do both right you want to use tools um initially but you want to combine that with your own thinking i mean that's what you should probably always do <laughs> but um um i think yeah if, if we want to stay with with um search volume um you might even be in the space where the tools are not really telling you much at all. So, for example, I'm in the legal tech space and more, more specifically in the startup space. So for me, I, I just don't get enough data from tools. I need to rely on other sources, and I think you should do that anyway. And there are brilliant sources that you already have. You might have internal search data. You might have a customer support team. You have a sales team. You have your customers and, and you can can see what their feedback is. There's there's so much information that you can that you can take in. You can um, you know dump it somewhere, cluster it, and then go from there. So it doesn't necessarily need to be based on on keyword research tools. But yes, of course, a combination. Uh, and I guess you, I guess your 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 place is a very good example to you know to Julia's point of user intent that you know so let's say it's a child custody question that the user's got you know they've they, they've got a very personal experience they've got a very specific issue that they want to come in and they're not just talking you know going to type in and child custody and expect their their whole world to be re- responded to they're going to have something very very specific and user intent there becomes a a good example thing i think of yeah. where you've got to really try and answer the 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 individual's question so yeah, uh, so yeah so i think um yeah, so it's good. Anyone else got any thoughts on on keyword research as a as a as an example of a, a tool that maybe has had its day? I mean, I agree a lot with what Kirsten's saying. The piece that I think is also exciting and unique about um, thinking with your brain and and not trusting the the tools to start is um, I I have done a lot with predictive keyword research, and so when you're thinking about keywords that are seasonally relevant or like yearly, you you know, keywords with years in them, or um, even if you're looking at expanding into a niche that hasn't really been explored or picked up or searched for before, because you're maybe creating a new space, you can look at what's being done in other areas and find, you can usually cross-reference what the keyword search volumes or trends, how they grew. um, And, and, explore intent around those types of industries to then map that into what you're doing and what your industry is and how you're approaching your content and SEO. And, um, and there's not always keywords like Kristen is saying as well that show up in the tools in that case, but you can sort of formulate them based on uh, existing data that you have. And I find it, I find it as well on, on keywords. I mean, I've got, I put this one into a presentation that, you know, a word like Mustang, you know, you you just don't know whether the person is interested in a horse or a car at that particular point, and you know even when they start putting things like horsepower around there, you don't necessarily know. <laughs> but uh, but um, certainly where where words words are labels for ideas, I think you know this is my kind of belief, yeah. and uh, uh, and so you know uh, when you're focusing on to your to your 
point, Ian, of, of co- quality over co- uh, quantity. You know, um, really, when you're trying to start answering user intent, to Julia's point of user intent, Kirsten's point of don't use tools, your point of quality over quantity, I think that all comes down to, you know, really trying to help the user it goes back to what google's been saying for a number of years of trying to help the user so how do you how do you propose that we uh, we throw out those tools in and focus on quality gosh i mean i think the one of the threads that runs through the book of recommendations is to um put yourself in the shoes of your audience and then also to um explore the search engine results pages and so um you know do some of these searches that you think might be relevant, see what's coming up on the search engine results pages, think about what your, um, you know, pros and cons of the service or tool or whatever you're offering are, and then, um, you know, find the, find where they all meet together and create content that um, intersects with, with, you know, the intent with what people are looking for with what you have to offer. And, uh, and that's, you know, going to be your magic key, which um, I think uh, talking about quality over quantity, and I think somebody mentioned earlier to the perfectionism, uh, maybe that was in the pre-call, uh, which we can get to, but um, you don't want to focus on making something so quality or so perfect that then you don't produce anything. So there is a caveat to, to the quantity piece where you know you can't just get get so bogged down in in trying to make something so perfect that you then ultimately never publish and I'd love to hear even from Kirsten on the legal side having also come from a a software as a service in the past that was a, a legal focused um, immigration technology we had a lot of red tape and a lot of um, legal review and compliance issues that we needed to always work through and so the intersection of what people are searching and what legal could approve and what we could say were were not always easy to meet. So it's easier said than done sometimes is kind of my point. So, uh, so, so yeah, and, and, uh, well, I, Kirsten, you're welcome to jump in on that. But I was going to go back to, to Julia and say, right, this, this user intent, um, focus and quality. Um, is there is there something I mean, how do you approach user intent yourself let me start with that um usually i i do my initial keyword research and create a content plan that is then based on topics so the keywords in that sense help me identify what are the topic clusters and then when i prepare a brief for a writer i take okay these are now the keywords that are relevant for this one page so we can target all of this here together on one page when I create the brief, I look at the, the SERPs and I check, okay, what is it that Google is showing here? Is there, for example, a video? Is there a knowledge graph? Um, is it producing listicles of all kinds? And then I tell the writer, look, this is what we need to do. And if there's a lot of video content for a topic, then I also tell my client, well, instead of just writing a blog post about it, we should probably produce a video. And then if everything is listicles, then also what we produce should probably be a listicle. And then I also look at these different pages that are ranking highly and see what exactly are they doing? What are they talking about? And then I tell the writer, instead of giving, yeah, here are your keywords and now write a thousand words, I'm saying, okay, this here are the keywords that fit in the cluster, things you should somehow talk about. But these are your paragraphs, the things that you should cover on the page. So there should be an intro paragraph that explains this concept. There should be here something with maybe a nice visual graph whatever the topic is, um, depends. But this is usually what I tell my writer to meet that intent and answer the question that stands behind 
a keyword or several keywords. Yeah, I wanted to add to that. I think that's also a very good example, um, Julia, is that how you put together um, briefs for, for writers. And sometimes you have tools that create um, briefs for you and they might give you an average of how many words an article should have. And I think that's all <laughs> well and good, but um, I wouldn't necessarily rely on, on that. So even when it comes to creating a brief, I think the manual work is already so important and we work in a very similar way. Um, our writers, when they have the topic, they have maybe um, the keyword focus. They always check manually what comes up in search results, what is the intent behind the search query, and then the ultimate question that we always ask for every piece of content is what is there and how can we do something that is so much better than that? And that's exactly how we operate as well. That's a great, that's a great point. Um, I think to the, to the point that everybody's making, you can't, it's not just copying what's in the top of the search engine result, results pages. You're not going to have the same exact headers, the same exact, you know, paragraph structure. You want to model off of that, but not, one-to-one -one because if you're just creating the same thing google is going to recognize that and that's again going back to the helpful content update something that they're trying to avoid happening um, and so it is important to have that unique perspective and make sure that you're bringing something new and fresh and relevant and unique to the table on top of um you know giving people what they want do, do you th th but I, I i so i agree with absolutely everybody but but let me throw a, a, a spanner in the works and say you know uh, isn't we're getting quicker at reacting to what google is demanding that we should do next i think as, a, as an seo as an industry as a um we've we've learned to be more agile and as as Google changes a certain result, we kind of adapt our content effectively to try and uh, work with that. Um, but I, I sort of feel that Google's health content update in particular has highlighted that a lot of results that are definitely all answering the question, but they're all answering it in the same sort of style. Um, you know, they're defining the defining the main issues at the top, and then they're talking about um, some of the underlying problems and questions and FAQs that are that are around the subject matter and then going down and you ended up with this 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 content which when I look at a lot of those results they're starting to look a little vanilla and I'm guilty as everybody else at creating that content but but we're 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 doing that because Google is not necessarily spotting that that one idea that is different to everybody else's or that that theme that's very different to everybody else's do you think google's got a problem with the helpful content up, update and how do we how do we break through that uh, or is it you know are we is, are we going to break through that i don't know if anyone wants to take that on i'll jump in with the most egregious one <laughs> that i think everybody will know is recipe content is one of the worst when it comes to let me tell you all of these things about like if you're, it's an apple pie recipe, let me tell you about what apples are and uh, the different varieties of apples and which apples are perfect for baking and how to make a crust and how to do lattice on top. And then finally, you know, 2,500 words later, you get down to the actual recipe that you want to see. That's something that, you know, if you're modeling your content off of that, you're going to continue to feed the negative cycle of giving people what they don't want to see, but that Google once said that they thought that they wanted people to see maybe is, is kind of what you're getting at. And I've worked on recipe sites before where we don't have 
the thousand words. It's literally just the, the recipe and maybe a short intro paragraph, like a cookbook might present it. And we get page one rankings, top of the page, top of the recipe uh, grid. And so there's proof that you don't need that all of the time. And, and I think part of, you know, these algorithm updates and these major rollouts are, are that they're not perfect right away, but that they continue to tweak them and make them um, get better over time. And so I, I do think that the unique content and the pieces that do have aspects that are not exactly what everybody else is doing um, can and have and will continue to, to start to mix in a little bit better. Um, and we've seen that with like nested results or indented results rather and um, things like that where Google's possibly even trying to test what people are maybe looking for, how to even shift the, the results and better match the intent that people are maybe looking for. Okay, guys, uh, we got a question in the, well, we've got a couple of people. So Monsi, Monsi uh, Carno is, is here, but can't stay. So she might've gone. I suspect she's gone off to the, the, the UK search wars, which are on this evening. Uh, so hi, Monsi, thanks for coming in. Um, but, uh, hobby tourist, uh, I, I, I'm not, not sure if I understand the question, so I'm going to read, read it out. He, he says, uh, in, in a couple of, couple of the sentences i spotted that keywords that the that keywords medical marijuana have not been detected in the topic cluster of cancer um so the keyword cancer has not been detected in the topic cluster of medical marijuana um so saying that topical clusters are uh, off dated I'm, I, I don't know if that's uh, off dated i'm not sure if that's the right word from uh, an seo point of view can you express yourself about updating topic clusters i guess i guess thing number one there is why would medical marijuana be um, be associated with the topic of cluster? So I don't know whether uh, maybe I don't know the the subject matter well enough, but uh, I, I'm not quite sure if I understand what Hobby's asking I, there. So I, can I anyone an jump idea, in, Julia? And, um, I think it relates to how do you I- initially identify what your topic clusters should be, and the way how I do it instead of just typing a word into something that then suggests me a million keywords as I identify who are the competitors in more than one sense. So the direct business competitors and also other Mm -hmm. websites that are talking about my topic amongst other topics and then do basically a gap analysis and see what content do we already have. So to, to get really get an overview of what are all these big topics out there and then categorize them in like one top level category and subcategories and i see how it can happen when you have a topic like medical marijuana how lots of websites are probably not talking about it as a use for cancer patients but when you do your gap analysis mm-hmm. right it should come up as one of the topics right i get well i guess if you're writing around cancer you're not necessarily going to be talking about medical marijuana unless unless you've got that as a, a product in your you know it, the, the people that are going to come back for cancer are going to be the Pfizer's of this world or the people with you know medical cancer products I would guess um, but if you're going to type in medical marijuana then I guess the question is does it give you cancer I suspect that's that's the user intent question part of that is uh, is does marijuana give you cancer which is probably a different question to you know how do I go and buy some I medical think more marijuana in the sense of how um, medical possibly. marijuana could help with some of the issues that you have when you have cancer or other illnesses diseases um, mm-hmm. that they take it for example to take away the pain as like a form of painkiller and so on but this Again, I I'd see yeah. how it can easily be missed in a gap analysis if nobody is making that connection yet. But this is where 
where talking to experts mm. comes in and technically the business owner, or in my case, my client, they, they should know what they're talking about, why they're trying to sell this medical marijuana and who the target audience is. So there's also a lot of communication always involved in these things. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Kirsten, sorry. Yeah, I Do wasn't. Jump in? Um, I wasn't sure if 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 um, if the comment meant um, medical marijuana was not in the topic cluster, or if it was there and it wasn't ranking. Um, but I think it could also be that it might be a controversial topic that might not be medically proven. Um, so that could have something to do with it, why it's not there or why it's maybe not. I guess it depends on the website. If it's all facts and this is proven medical advice, then maybe it's a topic that doesn't fit 100%. Yeah. And of course, marijuana is not legal in all countries, all states, whatever. And so, uh, so it's a, it's a, yeah. So, so Google's probably got a whole, a whole algorithm about when it can and can't use the word marijuana or medical marijuana, or marijuana in the concept of medicine or whatever in there as well. So, there's a whole load of things that might be happening with that particular one, which just goes to show that you need to pay attention to user intent more because you've got to make sure that you know the question is unambiguous for the for the user is answered unambiguously for the for the user. Okay, so let me just. Um, I, I wrote in the book as well, so I decided to uh, to go really off piste um, and uh, bear me bear with me here because I kind of thought you know I've been doing the prediction for next years and, and didn't want to come up with the same idea, um, and so I I talked about um, uh, the possibility next year of, uh, of of augmented reality. So augmented reality, you've got glasses on that you know you you're, you're you're out looking at something and then. Um, uh, and it sort of overlays some 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 information. So you could be sitting at the Tower of London or uh, the Empire State Building, and uh, and and uh, it suddenly has a whole load of facts that appear in your glasses for augmented reality. So, uh, and I'm thinking, well, if you uh, if you used um, uh, location schema on your uh, content, then uh, it might be much easier for a search engine to then pick that information up and throw it into an augmented reality uh, situation. So, am I am I about two years ahead of my time on that one and uh, and talking rubbish, or is that a is that a crystal ball idea that's uh, that's worth some merit of uh, thinking about schema outside the box and where it might be used? Anyone want to come back and? Laugh at me on that one. I think it's it's definitely. Go on. Thanks, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing about the idea. I think it's it's a, it's a good concept. Um, well, if we're gonna walk around with um, you know um, Google Glass or other glasses um, in 2023, yep. I would say probably not. Um, but that's not to say using schema markup is a bad idea. So I would suggest to do that anyway. And then we can see if that'll benefit our glasses in the near or further away future. Well, to be fair, it's not just glasses because you can, you, you've got a Google view where you can sort of hold up a, uh, already um, your Android to a, to a, a, a thing and get some overlay of stuff. So there's, there's stuff that's already happening that, uh, that is only going to grow. Uh, and uh, I saw, 
Facebook or Meta are um, are working with Ray-Ban. So if they're working with Ray-Ban, there's only one way I can imagine that they're working with Ray-Ban to come out with a product and it's going to be an augmented reality product. So I do think that, you know, there's a lot of possibilities within Schema to, you know, to go to Wembley Stadium and it'll put it up and it'll show you the fixtures for next, for the for coming months or, and things like that. And, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm being out of the, uh, out of the ballpark, so to speak, to, Mix my metaphors between Wembley and uh, and somewhere in you know and and, and baseball parks, but anyway, uh, I, I you know it seems to me that um, what I'm trying to get to is that search may become more diverse in where people are looking for things, um, and that's happening. You know, people are asking friends in Facebook about you know best place to go to a restaurant rather than asking a search engine, for example. And in fact, they're asking friends more and more. Um, I think uh, so. So, is is there this possibility that search is finally going to break away from just Google SERPs? Uh, and if so, how might that be? Ian, is there anything you want to come in with there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all the talk about TikTok these days, right? Like, yeah, yeah. A good example. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're looking for fashion trends or think the hottest things to do in a city. Those are things that people are now going to TikTok more so than to Google because, um, you know, there's a lot more fresh, relevant, new content constantly being churned out. It's way more visual, like you're saying. Um, so I think it's like maybe this this step, like half step in between where you're describing Dixon, the the world going with augmented reality and and where we're at now, where you can see and explore places before you actually go to them. Um, to understand whether or not it's something that you want or um, see what how particular clothing fits on a particular person. Um, and there is, I think that there is a, a, a valid point about getting ahead of the game and focusing on some of those efforts and, and finding ways to, uh, you know, whether it's schema like you're talking about or, or what have you to get your content seen in different ways or different formats. But at the same time, like it goes back to prior prioritization. And right now, I don't think personally that we're at a point where the world is ready to adopt all of the technologies and and learn how to how to go about that, that not all of the companies that are out there in the world have the budgets to create the type of augmented realities, even, you know, meta dropping a lot of what they've been working on for the metaverse. Um, and yeah. And so I think there's a there's definitely something there, but it's a balance of, you know, where we're going to get, where we are now and how yeah. to user intent and the quality that people are looking for. In the I, 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 I do appreciate that my, my idea was a bit out there, but, but, you know, uh, but as, as Kirsten says, you know, schema is something that's there anyway. And I, and it's because obviously uh, whatever search technology is going to jump in, they're not going to jump in and then expect everybody to suddenly come up with new ideas. They're going to jump on something that's already there. And it seems to me that the schema is, is developing at quite a pace now. And, uh, and that gives, that gives um, machines uh, a ready way to try and find answers that it didn't have much more structured than before. So um, hopefully, hopefully the schema I idea is the the underlying task not the uh not necessarily saying right let's go and find the best pair of um augmented reality glasses to to, to wear uh, and optimize for that but you also make the point on tiktok i think you know that's a really interesting way of searching because it's like google discover in a way and that your google it's tiktok is influencing you based on your own choices so you choose 
what you want to see next and what you're liking and what you're not liking. And Google's discovery is similar in that it's working on your your patterns and your history to try and sort of come up on uh, as, to, as to what sort of things are interesting to you. So that's a totally different way of searching or rather it's a different way of being influenced um so you're not necessarily actually searching for something but definitely you can you can guide a message and a, and a brand down to a particular type of user based on the kind of content that you put out there i think and and i think that's a that's something for, for 2023 as well that you know it becomes more and more important to segment your business and understand your user uh, and be able to define your user because there's no point in creating content that's going to never get into that TikTok feed, for example. So, you know, is is the type of content that you're going to be um, coming up with going to change in 2023, or are you uh, do you think you've uh, you, you'll carry on doing what you what you've always done? I don't know who wants to take that one. I think yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. <laughs> um, absolutely, I the. As social media evolves, as the way that people are expecting to see um, content, I think as the SERP evolves, there was a search that I did recently where I think the top 50% of the page was image, story, discover, news-based and didn't have any traditional search results in it. And so, um, you know, even not like video aside, which is already a kind of a hot topic in a way, um, just even focusing on imagery and not relying on stock images and finding ways to, to break through that um, is also, I think something that everyone needs to start thinking about and prioritizing as well too, because there's nothing worse than seeing the same stock image on every single post about the same thing, because nobody has um, a unique perspective on it or, or whatever. And so um, yeah, finding ways also, I think quality over quantity wise to repurpose content Um I think that's the biggest missed opportunity that a lot of people have, which is, you know, taking that listicle, making it into a carousel for Instagram, making it into a reel or a TikTok video, make like finding ways to to take what's effective and and put it into the different formats that people are going to find it on um, and how they're going to like to possibly see it and discover your brand through. So let me just bring in David here, if I may. Uh, David, you're, um, you you put the whole book together uh, and I'll, I'll let you save your best bits for, uh, for, for your marathon session in, in, on, the, on the 6th. But um, uh, you, uh, you, you did pick out a few bits at the, uh, towards the, in your clothing, closing thoughts um, and you picked out all sorts of interesting uh, ideas, but um, re- review of your content quality or, or lack thereof, and 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 uh, uh, things from from all sorts of people. Really, is, is there something in, 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 that you you think um, plays to this user intent that that was in the book that uh, that that um, stands out to you? To, to a certain degree, yes. Um, kind of following on from what Ian was saying, I, I just want to say first of all was um, I highlighted one key tip from each chapter and that's a tip that resonated with me but what i also encourage the reader to do is actually you know hopefully read all the book and actually decide for themselves which one tip from each chapter resonated with them is most suitable for them and their business and maybe run with that because there are 101 tips in the book and it's very difficult to to implement everything so you have to decide what's most suitable for yourself so select a tip from each chapter is what i was saying there towards the end uh, but following on from what Ian was saying and you know, talking about TikTok to- and what you were saying about uh, SEO 
for discovery almost, and optimizing for discovery as opposed to for search. Mark McDonald in chapter one said, move from SEOing for information retrieval to SEOing for in information suggestion. Ryan, okay, yeah. So you're basically feeding the person with, so you're basically feeding, feeding the idea to your segmented market, really. So it's kind of where search meets advertising. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's, it's almost coming up with what the user wants before they actually actively search for it. Interesting. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, all right, go on, Kirsten. I think, sorry, I just wanted to add, that's, that's basically um, what we're doing with Google Discover already, yeah. right? Um, Google is surfacing content that you might be interested in. Um, so I think it's definitely, if you have the capacity, um, good to have an eye on that and try to anticipate it could be relevant. Yeah, and... and um, Probably. Sorry, Julia, go on. So one thing um, that is, I get, I guess, getting also more important or was always super important, and Dixon, you're going to love this, is internal links. So how are we connecting our content to one another? Are we guiding the user down a, a journey with further readings and, and all of that? And um, that should also be always taken into account when we're writing content. Like, how does it fit in overall with the website? Obviously, I love that. Thank you very much, Julia. And Jen, Jen William Bobbink is, uh, is, is, is somebody that uh, David pulled out in his, uh, his, his um, best idea for Chapter 10 as well, So uh, which was optimize your internal links. So, uh, but, you know... Uh, you could rely on a tool to do that if you wanted to, but I'm not going to go there today. Um, <laughs> guys, we've, um, we, we've, we've reached the end of our, uh, of our allotted time uh, again. And uh, so I absolutely want to say thanks ever so much for um, coming along. Just before I ask people, you know, how, how they can get hold of, how people can get hold of you if they want to, obviously they can read the book. Um, uh, but, but David, what are we going to be doing in 2024 or 2023 in terms of uh, the, the podcasts and, and things? Because uh, this is it. This you, is my last. Uh, I, th I thought I had to plan 2024. Oh, there. right. Okay. Sorry. No, no, you can, you can get on there. But, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna step back. I'll be, I'll be around whenever you need me. But uh, have you got any thoughts yet as to how you're going to take the show in a different direction? Well, I'm not sure about a different direction, but certainly in terms of the first show of 2023, we've got that lined up. Um, that's going to be how to set your SEO strategy for 2023. That's going to be on January the 4th at 5 p.m. GMT, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Three great guests lined up for that. Maria White, Dreda Vera, and Crystal Carter. So January the 4th, 5 p.m., sign up at... Um, Majestic.com slash webinars. And of course, uh, the URL that I want to mention as well is seoin2023.com. That's where you need to sign up to actually watch this live stream launch of the book SEO in 2023. Brilliant. Thanks very much, David. And uh, guys, just before we go, where do people find out from about you? How can they get hold of you? Um, Julia, do you want to head off there? Yes. So the, the easiest way, I guess, is to reach out via email. And that is info at charlieonthemove.com. That's uh, my own business um, or LinkedIn. You'll find me if you just type in the name as you see it right yeah. now on screen. Ah, uh, yeah, but That's people can't. So it's Julia Carolyn. Zeng, Z-E-N-G. So that, that that's great. Thanks very much. Uh, Kirsten, how do they get hold of you? I'm probably most responsive on LinkedIn. So that would be the preferred channel. Um, if you find me there with my name, um, should come up. Otherwise, Kirsten Reichert, Seed Legals, should um, give you the right search results. And Seed being S-W-E-D. Ian, how do they uh, how do they find you? Similarly, uh, LinkedIn or Twitter, while it's still around, uh, my my handle across all social is 
at Ian Holmes. So you can find me there. And Ian's I-A-N as opposed to I-A-I-N. So guys, thank you ever so much. What I learned at the end there is we should all be optimizing for LinkedIn, it would seem. Uh, but uh, we'll get onto that in a different uh, a different year. Uh, thank you ever so much for coming onto the show. I really do appreciate it. I hope you guys have a, a lovely uh, Christmas and uh, see you in cyberspace uh, in 2023. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.